is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our website, we give them away, so do enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. To start things out here tonight, two stories, one from real life, the other from second life. So where do you want to start, Mark? Real life or second life? Second life. Let's go to second life. Reuters uh, reporting that governments, according to uh, a UK panel, governments should apply real world laws and regulations to virtual currencies in online worlds like second life to prevent potential money laundering. Fraud and Tax Evasion. A report from a British advisory group said on Monday, the Fraud Advisory Panel, set up by the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, said legal loopholes were exposing virtual world users to, quote, a growing risk of theft and deception. Hmm. I wonder what that means. How is it that the virtual world users are being exposed to theft? That doesn't make much sense. And it, I mean, you, you basically with this game called Second Life, this simulation, it's a, sort of a virtual world where you can go in, you can go in for free, you get this avatar that is basically your representation in the digital world, and you can fly all around and walk to places and teleport to places, and uh, basically what happens is people can purchase property with real dollars. You take your money and you put it into the game, and it's converted to this in-game currency called Linden, uh, Linden dollars. Linden dollars, right. And then you can take that, and you can buy property. If you buy property, you can then build virtually anything that you can imagine on that property. Right. It's it's kind of like a video game, except it's not a game. There's no point in it. You can except, make games in the game. You can like make right. little uh, blackjack games and things like that. It, it has as much point as life does. Exactly. You know, so you create the own your own point in life and you create your own point in second life. So if you what you want to do is go and just walk around and talk to people, you can do that. Yeah, if what you want to do is build houses, you can do that. If you want to sell buy and sell real estate, you can do that. If you want to construct things for people to wear, for instance, uh, our store manager Johnson uh, has gone and created and I was in there earlier today cuz I haven't been in for a while and I, I was there yesterday. See what was going on in second life. Uh, yeah, and he had created a he created a uh, digital version of the Free Talk Live store. So instead of actually purchasing real T-shirts, you can purchase a digital T-shirt for your Second Life character. So and you can walk around in Second Life wearing a Free Talk Live T-shirt. Right. It's not going to be uh, terribly expensive compared to the uh, no, you know, like regular real estate, but um, ten the cents or something like that. Ten cents in real dollars, right? Yeah, so it's like yeah a, something a, like. That. It, anyway, I had a meeting in Second Life. It was it was the most interesting thing. It was like a real business meeting, except. You know, I was typing and interacting with people, and, mm-hmm. and there's this guy who was portrayed to me as a Second Life mogul, okay? And he said he found Second Life through Free Talk Live. Wow. Um, he apparently was uh, homebound, taking care of his uh, ailing parents at the time, uh-huh. and uh, he would listen to Free Talk Live at night, and, and he found out about Second Life through us and, you know, went in there, and apparently now he's the big wig or something, a big wig at least. There are some people that are actually making a living. Yeah, that's the impression I get. He's making a living. And actually, he gave me some numbers, and I'm not going to share what those numbers were, but I was not not unimpressed. Not bad for sitting around, right? Well, he puts in 16 hours a day in Second Life. Right, but But it's not like you're laying bricks. No, you're you're not not out being a lumberjack or anything. So uh, this story from Reuters here 
is suggesting these again these the, the fraud advisory panel in the UK is saying there's a growing risk of theft and deception for virtual world users and this is the excuse they're using to get the nasty little fingers of government into these virtual worlds because there are other ones second life isn't the only one out there uh, in recent months law enforcement and tax authorities have focused increasing attention on virtual worlds including a US congressional probe into virtual world taxation a German criminal investigation into child pornography in second life and a new South Korean law that cracks down on money transfers in online games. While the report said the dangers were hypothetical at this point, it warned right, that people... Hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. These phantoms, specters is probably a better terminology than hypothetical dangers. Right. The uh, the game's pretty secure. You've got your money. It's yours. You decide how to spend it. Right. And I think one thing that kind of confuses the, uh, the, the bureaucrats out there is um, they have these Linden dollars, which mm-hmm. I think they use the same... Um, like dollar symbol that uh, dollars I do. I believe they do. And the Linden dollars are worth, I don't know exactly how much, let's say 10 to 1. I think it's a dollar and then an, a capital L, but I'm not positive on it. Okay. Um, I, I've noticed that they do um, delineate, but sometimes they just talk in Lindens. Mm-hmm. Um, so these Linden dollars, I think, are worth about a tenth, about 10 cents. That's yeah, I think right you get like 250 Linden dollars for one U.S. dollar. You think it's even less than that? I think it's less than that. Okay, so uh, even more so, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make. Um, so a Linden dollar is probably worth a, a, a portion of a penny. Mm-hmm. Um, they see these big numbers trading hands. So in order, you know, you have a million Linden dollars, you only have I don't know a, a couple thousand uh, U.S. or something like that. Um, you have these big numbers trading hands and for real estate, and they're like, holy crap, there's a bunch of money out there that we need to get our hands on. The government people don't get it, is what you're saying. Right. They don't, they don't understand. They, they see the exchange rate. They don't understand the exchange ratio, and they think that we're talking about big sums of money. But either way, uh, government see, whenever governments see money moving uh, between regular people's hands, they get greedy and they want a piece of it. Yeah, but you know, you're not talking about so much at this point, and it would be difficult. Whatever well, like you say, Im- they don't know. Right. Whatever implementation system that they put in place is going to cost more than it's going to be reap in quite some time. Well, that's true, but it'll cost the companies because they'll force the companies to put the system in place. It won't be the government that's doing the programming or anything like that. They'll still have to come up with paperwork and bureaucrats to handle it and that kind of thing. So they're talking about doing this. Of course, the government doesn't care because it's it's your tax dollars that they're going to use to implement this program anyway. Right, and they're saying that uh, you could be at risk from theft. The chairman of the panel's cybercrime working group says, My experience has been that fraudsters migrate to areas that are most vulnerable. They always benefit where countries are loosely regulated, and this is an environment that's unregulated regulated altogether. And yeah, the government the government really doesn't like the idea of fraudsters getting horning in on their business. They are in the business of purporting to offer us services and goods and mm-hmm. then failing to do so. I mean, how often does the government claim that it's going to do something when the Iraq war for instance, stop hunger in the United States? Uh, you know, I mean, you you pick your government program, I'll show you how it's failed. The government is the huckster and they hate the idea that little hucksters might come in and horn in on their business. Right, and they're trying to scare people by saying, oh, the environment is Not just our government, by the way. All oh, yeah, governments that make promises. Right. Uh, they, they're saying this. They're trying to scare users by saying, or potential users by saying, this environment is entirely unregulated. And well, Second Life's it's not been like you're online. Taking pills there. Second Life's been online for at least a few years now, mm-hmm. and they're doing just fine without doing your okay. precious regulations. Online money laundering is a primary concern, according to the study author Mark Johnson. Quote, I see this as a virtual version of the Hawala or Hundi system. He heads uh, risk management for some 
company or something. The fact like that, that I don't know what the Huala or Hyundai system is, I suppose, is going to make him look that much more educated he than, says, than I. He says it's trust based. I give you one thousand, you give someone else one thousand. It serves to move money from A to B to C to D while obscuring the trail. He recommended treating uh, treating virtual currencies like the Linden dollar as real money, including a requirement for virtual world operators like Linden Lab to report suspicious financial transactions, just as for real world banks and financial institutions. Oh, good. At the moment, Second Life had the most sophisticated economic model, but the model is so clearly compelling and successful that there will be a number of variants. Linden Lab is in its servers are in the United States. This is what um, the government's concerned about uh, money laundering. Money laundering is an entirely fabricated crime by our vice system. Here in the United States, there's some things that we've that make money that we've outlawed. Gambling, we've outlawed drugs. We've I outlawed, didn't outlaw it. The government did. The government has outlawed these things. Um, we've outlawed certain types of weapons. Mm-hmm. There's money to be had in these arenas because people want it. those things. Yeah. And yes, I'm, I'm sure that there's some way that some enterprising soul could use the Linden dollar to uh, create, you know, a money laundering scheme. Really, what the issue is is the government telling us that we aren't smart enough to know whether or not that we, you know, what money we can, of ours we can gamble or how we can gamble it, or um, you know, what, what drugs we can take and, and that kind of thing. Because they only outlaw some drugs, by the way. Right. And also what you need to look at here is that the way the money gets into the game. Now, I'm pretty sure Linden Lab isn't taking money orders or cash. Okay. So you have to give them a credit card number mm-hmm. if you want to be able to take your U.S. dollars or whatever currency you in the country you live in and, uh, and convert it into Linden dollars. So already the U.S. money laundering laws cover transactions as far as credit cards and bank drafts are concerned. More phantoms so, inspectors um, created by the government. Right. So this is completely unnecessary. This is just an excuse to get into the world, the online world, and to regulate video games, to regulate transactions online. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. And uh, you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are totally free, including the wiki, over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. So head on over to wiki.freetalklive.com to edit to your heart's content. wyki.freetalklive.com. If you or perhaps somebody you know needs a primer on some of the subjects that we talk about on Free Talk Live, you should check out the Liberty Radio Underground. It's an elementary uh, elementary introduction to libertarianism, and each show concisely handles a single topic in under 10 minutes. It's great for someone who's new to liberty, so go to libertyradiounderground.com today and grab an episode for free. That's libertyradiounderground.com. Now, I've listened to uh, two of them. Have you listened to any of these yet? I have yet? not. I've, I'm sorry. Uh, well, it's okay. You know, um, I've listened out. to his longer-form podcast, but I have not listened to, uh, to those. These are ingenious. I love these things. And these are probably best, uh, I would, suited for somebody who's like new to the ideas of liberty. So, yeah. if, for instance, you're afraid of uh, shocking your sister or mom or cousin with listening to Free Talk Live, although you may love it. Liberty Radio Underground explains the principles of 
uh, libertarianism without all the shock jock stuff. Like lubing them up first. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. It really is. And people understand it. It's concise. It's good. I will have to give it a listen. The, uh, the guy who does it is rather scholarly in the, in the sense that he's read a great deal of things. He doesn't explain it in a scholarly fashion. but He's, he's read not a, a scholarly guy, though. As re- far as he's read a great deal of stuff and understands yes. the concepts. Anyway, uh, 800-259-9231. So whether you want to talk about the uh, government looking to crack down on virtual worlds like Second Life or whatever's on your mind, let's go to the phones and talk to, first off, Conrad in North Dakota. Conrad, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I just got back home from Japan, and um, I found myself without any health insurance. Okay. And I am a libertarian, and I don't believe in you know, uh, state-run health insurance, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I've decided that I'm going to go ahead and go with it, and I'll tell you why. All right, why? Because as long as they keep it, uh, drugs, things like that, illegal, and make me have to go to a licensed doctor, if they're the one holding that racket, I might as well receive money from them to compensate for their terrible laws. I'm just wondering, do you guys think that's just enough or what? I I don't know what I think. I think um, when one has to, has to, I like, like to caveat it with has to, use government programs, I'm not going to go and tell the mom who's, uh, you know, whose kids need food that she shouldn't get WIC. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell the guy who's Well, because been a, the government program exists means that there aren't as many charities out there that normally would have picked up that ball and run with Right. There's, there's certainly some differences um, with our... Yeah, right there. It's a helicopter right uh, there. There's something flying over. <laughs> okay, go um, ahead. The, you know, because of you know, obviously the market's screwed up because the government's involved in healthcare. That that much is clear. I, you may um, consider trying something like the National Association for the Self-Employed. They have uh, you know relatively low cost uh, group insurance that you can try. One of those medical savings accounts or something they like that. They have well. uh, right, health savings accounts also. You know, of course, the other side of this is that, yes, while you may be able to get a few things uh, from the government program, what sort of crap are you going to have to put up with? What and sort of intrusion into your personal life, your finances? Uh, what are the things that the government is going to want from you in order to get you on to the dole? You know, that? that's my well, question. I've actually, I've actually been on this program before when I was younger. And, you know, all you got to do is sign up. It's actually really easy. And you just go and they pay for your bills for you. And I mean, as, as far as government programs go, it's pretty pretty straightforward and pretty okay. easy to do. The other but thing, I is, was just wondering- the other thing is, is you give that government program a purpose for existence. You um, give them one more person as far as a statistic for their reason to exist. And that's what's always bothered me is, you know, if I get on there and um, it's kind of like voting. You know, voting in and of itself is meaningless unless a bunch of people do it. But the reason that I go vote, even though I'm not likely going to be that one vote that makes the difference, and that's the only vote that counts, um, th- that one vote that, that makes the difference, I, I believe in if I hold back that other people will, you know, or if I vote that other people will. You know, it's, it's kind of like this groupthink thing that's, you know... Uh, it's kind of like a belief in magic. You know, I can't fault you for it. The other thing you could rash- you could also rationalize it by saying, well, you know, you've already paid in X amount into the system, and so this is just your way of uh, reclaiming the stolen money, you know, the money that the government has uh, has taken from you by force. Uh, so you could certainly rationalize it in all sorts of ways. Um, so does that make sense, or did we answer your question? I'm not sure if we did. Yeah, you guys did a good job. Uh, I'd like to, uh, just before I go, I want to ask another question. Uh, what do you guys think about pleading the Fifth Amendment on your income tax return? 
I was just uh, curious what you guys think about that. I got to go to class. Thanks for the call, Conrad. We appreciate it. I don't know. I don't know much about income tax returns. I don't fill them out. I don't haven't filled one out in a long well, the, time. The, con- the concept with the Fifth Amendment is is that um, the income income tax requires you to report to the government information that is. Uh, Does it? Well, yeah, you're telling your income to the government. But and does then, it require you? And if that's the case, then where was that requirement? How was that requirement created? Um, the government is requiring you to do it. That's funny. I I haven't done mine, so I haven't seen anybody requiring me to do it, nor has anyone ever showed me the requirement that says that I have to and that I have agreed to uh, to their rules. Um, Regardless of whether they've gone through the trouble of showing you the requirement or not, the government has created the requirement, and they will use their guns, possibly, in the future, to enforce that requirement on you. Likely, since you get on the radio every night and say, I don't pay income taxes. Um. So, you know, the government has this requirement. Now, you can consider that a, a, a moral mandate. You can consider it Seems like a suggestion the mandate, to me. A, a suggestion from a, yeah. a bunch of people with more guns than you have. Yeah. You can consider it whatever you'd like. The, the government has this requirement. So the Fifth Amendment says that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to report anything on yourself. And uh, essentially by reporting your income, you're giving the government information to hold you responsible for paying a certain amount. Right, but then you could say that, well, the government has required you to get that information up. So, therefore, Fifth Amendment doesn't apply because they've required you to. But the Fifth Amendment is the highest law of the land. The the government can't overstep the Fifth Amendment. Well, they do all the time. They do all the time. I understand. I'm just saying. I don't think the IRS is going to care. I think if you send in... No, the IRS doesn't care. I think if you send in a return, if you send in their paperwork... With some sort of note or something like that saying, I'm sorry, I'm calling the the Fifth Amendment into play, and therefore I'm not going to give you any information, thanks, but no thanks. He didn't say that. He su- just suggested reminding them of the Fifth Amendment. Oh, I thought he was not going to give them any information said, and what do cite you, the Fifth Amendment What do you think about get putting the Fifth Amendment on your tax return? Now, you could fill that. Right. I assume that he was talking about uh, filling out the tax no. return. If you're going to cite the Fifth Amendment, that means you want to be quiet. You're not going to incriminate yourself, so therefore, I'm right. not giving you any information. If you okay, give the IRS different conclusions from what he said. If you give the IRS anything besides what they're looking for, it seems to me that you're just asking for trouble. Like you'd be better off just not sending anything into them, right? As you're opposed fit- to sending a protest in. I, yeah, I don't think that uh, you would be required to uh, state to the IRS that you're invoking your Fifth Amendment right. The Fifth, your Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate yourself, is your right by birth. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, it was God-given, if you believe in God. Um, so, therefore, you don't have to tell somebody, I'm invoking the Fifth Amendment. You can just not report. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's a good idea to not uh, pay your taxes. I wouldn't suggest that for a second. I think it's a fine idea. It puts more money in your pocket. Now, eventually, they may come after you. Um, and in that case, well, you've got an interesting fight ahead of you. But there have been people that have won that fight. Many have lost. Uh, a handful have won. In fact, a gentleman won that fight earlier this year, as a matter of fact. Didn't get a lot of uh, press. It very rarely does get a lot of press, but it is possible. And again, my question would be, where is the obligation? I don't care if they have a bunch of rules written down in some book. How did I become obligated to follow them? Prove that to me, and then I'll pay you. George Phillies is the right candidate for president, a serious, well-educated candidate who stands for the basic principles of liberty and the basic principles of this nation. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, libertarian for president. I approved of this message. 
This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com. We've got archives and entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Enjoy them on us. That's freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. To the phones and to the fun, let's talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Yeah, I'm calling to raise public awareness about a very important issue about firearm safety. Okay. Here. Okay. Now, uh, to emphasize this point, I'm going to tell you about a story that happened on March 4th, 1999, in North Platte, Nebraska. Okay. And that's where the blunder took place. Okay, they had these two cops in a training exercise, mm-hmm. how to prevent the human being from borrowing your gun. Because, you know, every once in a while, a human being does borrow the cop's gun. That's how, you know, that does happen sometimes. And uh, here's this training exercise to train them how to keep their gun. Okay, now one cop, you're going to be the cop trying to keep the gun. And this other cop is going to play the part of a human being trying to borrow the gun. Okay. okay. Now, uh, first thing you're going to do, of course, is unload the gun. Okay, yep, unload it. Okay, and they did that, uh, you know, the wrestling around and all of that for a while. Okay, you guys did a great job this morning. Go to lunch. So the cop reloaded the 45 Glock and went to lunch. Okay. And then after lunch came back, okay, uh, what do we, where do we go next? Well, you still haven't finished this. More wrestling. And, and the cop remembered that the gun was unloaded and forgot that it was reloaded. Mm. But... You never go by what you remember. You always, you always double and triple check. check. Or Every something time. terrible could happen. In this case, no harm was done. It was only a cop that got killed. But it could <laughs> turn out being something terrible. I mean, a human being that doesn't deserve to get killed could wind up uh, getting killed if people uh, fail to follow that very important safety rule. Thanks it is for the very call, important. Tom. We Hold appreciate on, Tom. it. Tom, before oh, you go. Wait. I'm, no? Oh, sorry. What is that? <laughs> the wrong sound effect. Tom, you there? Yep. Uh, before you go, you know, you can uh, shock and appall uh, listeners in San Francisco if you call in the 9 to 10 hour. Oh, oh. thanks, Mark. Yeah. All right, Tom, thanks for the call. 800 Giving him some ideas. Uh, so, uh, now, that was actually a good tip as far as firearm safety is right. concerned. You Absolutely. You never, ever presume a firearm is unloaded Mm-mm. until you cock that sucker open and point it up so you can see through that uh, that barrel and you know double check yourself as well to make sure that you didn't just space out and actually think you did it when in fact you didn't do it. Um, there's no there's no way you can be too cautious when it comes to handling firearms. Mm-hmm. These things could kill you, and uh, many times they do. So, be careful. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Of course, the other important rule is after you've double-checked yourself, even if you have double-checked yourself, even if you know 100% certainty that you're handling an an unloaded firearm with nothing in the chamber, never point it at anybody else. Unless you intend to kill them. Right. I don't care if it's unloaded. You don't point guns at people. It's just, even if it's unloaded, it's not a habit you want to get into. 
And then, of course, there is that chance that it could be loaded and you'll accidentally pick it up and point yep. it. Anyway, you never want to get into that habit. So uh, there you go. A little gun tip for you. 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Jason in California. Jason, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. What's well, on your mind? Uh, I wanted to talk about the Valerie Plame affair. And, uh, okay, what's that? Well, we know, uh, you know about this uh, current scandal about Robert Novak. He published an article in the Washington Post about Valerie Plame, who is the ambassador. She's the wife of Ambassador Joe Wilson. And right. uh, she was supposedly working on a uh, yellow cake uranium case down in, down in Africa. And uh, when Robert Niger. Novak uh, outed her, you know, and her CIA identity, he basically violated a law, and that law is the Intelligence Identities Protection Act of 1982. Mm-hmm. Right. And, so it was uh, alleged. Uh, well, what I think, the question that's not being asked here is whether or not this law is constitutional and whether or not it, it violates our First Amendment right. It sounds to, like it uh, totally repress. violates the First Amendment. I mean, how did the information come out that she was a CIA agent in the first place? She must have told somebody. Well, uh, supposedly... Robert Novak got that from uh, somebody in the Bush administration. That either that, Scooter uh, Libby or Carl Rove yeah, or whatever. But, but to me, the the big question is is why isn't anybody questioning how this is muzzling the press? And specifically, this law was written in order to counter, uh, you know, magazines that were published in the '70s, underground magazines such as Counter Spy, Covert Action, uh, Information Bulletin, mm-hmm. and also CIA agents like Philip Agee, who wrote a book called CIA Diary that um, you know, was first published in Britain and then it was published here. And in that book, he basically you know, went down the line you know, outing all kinds of CIA agents and blowing all kinds of a CIA cover. And I think for good reason, too, because there's a lot of corruption in that organization. Sure. And the thing is, is that we can't police this organization as Americans if, if we have laws like the Intelligence Identities Protection Act. Yeah, I'm with you. That's going I would agree to limit our ability in order to police these organization. I would agree with you, but it, 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 you know, it goes deeper than that, in fact. Um, if, we, if we are to be this uh, gigantic empirical hegemon that we are as, as the United States, that the United States government uh, proposes to be, to control every country in the world, at least as far as we wish to control them, then you really need organizations like the NSA, um, the you know, CIA, and things like that. You would have to have them. But I mean, you know, the, we're, we're going to fail to be a giant empire if we well, don't have those things. I think the thing is, is that a lot of these CIA agents that uh, it came out in, say, in, in CIA diary, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, it very much compromises, you know, American political organizations. For instance, in that book, he let it be known that George Meany, who was the president of the AFL-CIO, the guy's last at name that is time Meany? was a CIA agent. Now, when you think about left-wing politics, I mean, how left is... An organization like the AFL-CIO, this this labor organization, when when it's controlled by the CIA, when you have your main guy, hmm. uh, your president, a CIA agent, and you're supposed to be, you know, representing uh, the the views of labor, right? And they don't um, like that I information a getting huge, out. Uh, you know, conflict of interest here. I mean, you know, as for the most it... part, it seems like it's a huge counterintelligence coup, though, for an organization like the FBI or the CIA to take control of 
of labor organizations like the AFL-CIO. It absolutely does, but, and that information should come out. However, I, I, I'm with you on this one, Jason. I think that uh, that law is absurd, that people uh, just need to continue ignoring it and uh, bringing out the information. However, if somebody does join the CIA, then they are signing an explicit agreement with the government that does say they will uh, stay quiet. So I could see the government going after its own employees if they were to reveal things they weren't supposed to reveal. But going after the, a member of the press is absolutely out of control. Well, it's nice to agree on something for once, you know, yeah. and I agree that you know that definitely this is something that violates our constitutional rights. You know, Thank you for the it, call, it, Jason. We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Yeah, to flesh that point out, I don't think that this uh, this government should be a giant. Uh, you know, empire where we have troops in 131 out of 190 U.S. Bring the troops home, shut down the CIA, abolish the FBI. Right. Imagine for a second. And the NSA. That um, the United States. And the DHS. (laughs) Okay. All of them. Um, Imagine the United States uh, military was largely self-contained inside the United States. Maybe there were ships at sea for the Navy and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, largely contained within the United States. Mm -hmm. Would we need, for any reason, the CIA... Maybe to know that we're going to be attacked in the future, but maybe we instead of the CIA, couldn't we just create um, you know better infrastructure? Uh, you know what do they call uh, uh, technical intel or whatever in order to you know if, know if somebody's launched a missile against us or something like that? I, I don't see any reason for the yeah. I don't think that's the CIA's job anyway. No, it's not. But the CIA may very well um, report to, you know, the uh, Defense Department that they're going to launch a a missile. Yeah, America was fine until, uh, I mean, the CIA didn't exist until, what, I think the 40s? That was was what I was going to guess. The FBI came first. I think that came in the early part of the uh, 20th century, the very end of the 19th century, one or the other. About uh, the time of Prohibition. America was doing just fine before the FBI and before the CIA, so we'll do fine without them. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, that's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at store.freetalklive.com. You enter uh, the store and you'll find a variety of Free Talk Live branded merchandise, everything from DVD classic archive collector sets to a nice variety of uh, clothing line that we have there. So head on over to store.freetalklive.com. Buy some stuff for yourself and buy some gifts for your friends. Store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones, to the fund, uh, to Henry in Connecticut. Henry, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello, Henry in Connecticut. Hello there. How are you? Hey, great. What's on your mind? Well, I'm concerned because the Republican Jewish Coalition has, has uh, excluded Ron Paul from uh, their their forum, which is coming up in October. Why mm. have they done this? I, I've heard something uh, about this, well, but I haven't they, researched it. No, anyway, they say they claim he's not one of the top six. Well, in all the in all the straw polls, he came out within the first five. He, in abs- fact, in many straw polls, he won or got second place if by you, a right. huge margin. If you average the straw polls out, he is either the number one or the number two candidate uh, with Mitt Romney. That's correct. That's correct. So anyway, uh, they're they're kind of a neocon group. Yeah, it's not and, a surprise. Uh, they they uh, 
Definitely not. Great. You know what's going to happen here? What's going to happen is something similar to what happened. Was it in Was it Iowa that uh, that tried to shut him out? The Iowa taxpayers yeah, Iowa. group or whatever. You know, they tried to shut him out. It just made it just galvanized the Ron Paul supporters. They set up their own event and they had Ron come to the event, which was I guess just down the street or right across the street from uh, where they were having the official uh, debate. And Ron Paul's crowd was like three times the size of the entire crowd for the other event. And so. Really Really, all they're going to do is end up shooting themselves in the foot by not allowing Ron Paul well, I in. I sure hope they do, you know. Because they'll capitalize on, uh, on anyway, the opportunity. Uh, if, you want to, if you get people to write to them politely... I think that's a fine, that's that a fine idea. That's a fine idea. the top tier men anyway to get them in there. Yep. How, how are people going to come up with this address? How would they find them? Well, Look up the Republican Jewish Coalition? Is, uh, uh, we're not going to give it out over the air because nobody's got a pen or pencil. Right, in it's cars. called the Republican Jewish Coalition? That's correct. Okay, they can Google that and find yep. it. Hey, Henry, thanks for the clue. Thanks for the call. We appreciate You're very it. You're welcome. God bless. Yes, sir. 800-259-9231. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't spot this, because normally the uh, the news about Ron Paul getting rejected or withheld from an event uh, usually hits the Ron Paul websites pretty quickly. Uh, RonPaulHQ.com is usually on top of things. Uh, Daily Paul is another one. And I haven't seen anything like that come across so I'm sure there. This must be a new development, and inevitably the Ron Paul activists will jump all over this. Yeah, they 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 generally do, and sometimes they're successful, sometimes they aren't. In related news, Fred Thompson is now in. Whoopie doo! I just thought I'd let you know. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Here's a quick story for you from TechDirt.com. If you look through the history of economic innovation, at least over the last few hundred years, you'll notice a pattern. For all the talk about how patents are required for innovation. True innovation only seems to occur after key patents expire. The history of the steam engine is quite instructive on this, but it's true of many other inventions as well. For uh, Memorial Day, this was a little bit of an old article, this uh, recently, the Associated Press ran an article all about the sudden rise in popularity of infrared grills for home use. Despite the technology first being invented in the 1960s for drying paint on cars, it was a very limited market until a key patent expired in 2000, and real innovation could occur that would allow such grills to be produced economically for backyard use. Chances are the market is a hell of a lot bigger today than it was before the patent expired. However, there's an even bigger point hidden towards the end of the article. The traditional patent defenders always claim that without a patent, the original inventor will simply get left behind. However, that's not what happened here. Charbroil, the makers of popular backyard grills, could have gone out on its own and produced their infrared cookers without the help of Thermal Electric Corporation, who held the patent. However, knowing that Thermal Electric Corporation understood the technology better than anyone else, they still formed a strategic alliance with them for the production of Charbroil's grills. In other words, the patent slowed down the production of backyard grills in the space, which have only enlarged the market. At the same time, the loss of the patent hasn't destroyed Thermal Electric's ability to profit. Far from it. It's opened up new opportunities for it. So basically, what they're saying here is, and I try to get to the article, but it's been taken offline. It's been so long. What they're pointing out here is that this pa- this uh, technology came about in the 1960s. Somebody snagged a patent for it. Infrared drying technology. Right, which is uh, works very well in grills, apparently. And uh, and they sat on it. And they made it so that you could buy infrared grills, but you had to pay through the nose. No, you I think to... that they were using it to dry paint. 
That's where, where how cars. it was originally invented. But they, they still snapped up the patent, and eventually somebody figured out they could use them in grills. They started selling the grills, but at like, you know, $2,500 for a grill. Oh. Very, very high-end grills. And so once the patent expired, then anybody could jump in and compete on this particular technology, which I don't know much about grilling, but from what I understand, this is pretty good stuff, this infrared grilling technology. So... If you're a grilling enthusiast, I imagine it's the best. And there are a lot of people with grills in this country. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, and th- that are into that sort of thing. And you're not going to spend $2,500 unless mm. you're a super enthusiast. Yes, and a, a wealthy enthusiast. <laughs> but as soon as the patent expired, anybody could jump into the game, and competition sets in, which hadn't happened because the patent prevents competition. It's, a, it's basically a government permission slip to operate your business without anybody else ever competing with you until the patent expires. As soon as the patent expired, there was all kinds of innovation. Costs came down. Competition, as, as usual, increase, uh, it lowers costs and increases availability. And that's what happened. Now, infrared grills are finally coming into their own as a result of the patent expiring. So we could have had this advanced technology decades ago but we couldn't because of the government i'm sure that this is a a true case scenario absolutely i would say that um you know we're reading you're reading this article from a biased opinion a person who believes that uh, intellectual property is a good thing or excuse me i think it's bad Uh, doing away doing away with intellectual property is a good thing there's somebody who could write the same article from the different point of view and say it's a bad thing and, get, and cite all kinds of reasons. I think that intellectual property is, um, you know, it does cause some people to create some inventions that they wouldn't have otherwise created. Um, I don't know about that, Mark. I, I, don't I, know think don't. That there's, I don't know if there's actually any real evidence of that. Um, in fact, there have been some pretty scholarly dissertations done on the topic of intellectual at property this point, at, at this point um the the people that would write in favor of intellectual property would likely have to do just of their own volition there's no reason for them the law exists that's correct so i just wanted to share that with you just another example of how it is that all of us are suffering we're all su- we're all suffering because we can't get our hands on cool new technology sooner because of patents because patents are out there giving certain companies exclusive rights to control uh, to control certain ideas, and then there are also those patents out there that are just being sat on by patent holding companies that uh, prevent anybody from from using those ideas and bringing them to marketplace, and that means that we don't even get to use those products because they're they're not even being made. The companies are just sitting on the ideas. They bought them up because they were threatening their existing uh, products, and now they just sit on them. Or they're because they can. waiting until somebody uh, gives them enough money to um, you know, use their technology. Yeah, who knows what it is they're waiting for. But whatever they see, it's just not, it's just not right, the idea that one, one person or one company uh, is given this monopoly privilege by the government to withhold this concept, these concepts, I don't think while the rest of us could have better lives, we could have more comfortable oh, lives and could, wealthier lives if the marketplace were simply allowed to compete. I would con- concur with you that the patent process is um, somewhat messed up in that uh, you can't create your own unique technology through your own, um, you know, if, if, for instance, you come up with a piece of technology that I hold a patent on. Like and infrared you did cooking. It, and you did it completely on your own. Right. In the same way that uh, if you wrote the exact same book I did, but you did not write it from looking at my book, that's the way a copyright works. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. The patents should be like copyrights in that way. 
I would, um, you know, because you've worked for it. But what I would disagree with is if I worked for 20 years coming up with the technology for this invention, and then I come up with the, you know, I come up with the idea, I market it, you get the invention, you reverse engineer it, you then um, start copycatting my prop, uh, my product, which I put all that time and energy and money into. Mm-hmm. I worked 20 years and did this in my basement in my spare time or whatever the reason is. To me, that's what's not right and not fair about um, doing away with intellectual property laws. Well, first of all, life isn't fair, Mark. And uh, so, yeah. so you stick it about your intellectual you property. Crap. Sorry, but you don't deserve anything for putting time or effort into something. You only deserve uh, what you work towards and, and manage right. to get out of the marketplace. And if you don't incentivize so, this person, they're not going to work for it necessarily. So if all you end up getting is you know $1,000 from some patent-holding corporation You don't, you don't deserve along, an infrared grill. If uh, I didn't say I deserved an infrared grill. Well, you were saying, oh, it's so terrible. uh, We don't have have these IP laws. We don't have infrared grills. We should have a marketplace where competition is allowed. um, We we should have a marketplace where inventors are allowed to uh, enterprise on the the technology that they put so much time and energy in. I agree with that. And getting rid of patents doesn't necessarily mean inventors won't be inventing, nor uh, nor does it mean that they won't be rewarded for their hard work. Sounds like throwing out babies with bathwater It sounds like you don't understand the marketplace and how it would organize itself in the absence of government coercion. Hour number two is on the, the way. Marketplace this probably come is up with IP Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. As we launch into hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. We'll talk a little more about intellectual property, so-called, here in a moment. But let's go to the phones first and talk to Francisco in New Jersey. Francisco, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. First thing was that while I'm on vacation in Ecuador, mm-hmm. I find out that they have a pretty free market in education. Really? And yes, yes they do. And I'm, I think they have 134 more private schools than public schools. Okay, pretty cool. And it's only a, it's only a country of 13 million, so there aren't a lot of public schools. Got it. What, what I found most interesting is that they have actually some schools for because it's a pretty poor country that you can actually pay for with paper and cans. Like newspapers? Yes. So um, nobody can go without education. The people that are poor can still come up with newspapers and aluminum cans to pay for their children's education. Yes. And you're pointing that out because when, whenever we talk about getting the government out of education, inevitably the first objection that comes up in this country is, well, what about the poor people? They won't be able to afford it. These private schools cost $40,000 a year. Poor people won't be able to afford these, uh, this uh, market education you're talking about. And you're saying that's just not the case. Right. I mean, the free market in Ecuador, where it's a very poor country, allowed them to pay with paper and cans. Hmm. Brilliant. And who knows what sort of uh, innovations the marketplace will come up with. Who knows what sort of also charitable options uh, community education may, uh, may you know, come to, come to pass if we get the government out of education in this country. Right. And also what I wanted to point out that when my cousin came here to study at Harvard, actually he studied at Harvard, he uh, got stitches on his right hand. Okay. And he said that it cost him $1,200. 
They cost them what? Two hundred dollars? Yeah. Okay. Thousand two hundred dollars for oh, the stitches. Twelve hundred dollars. Okay. And he came home to his father, who's a doctor, and his father said to me that an Ecuadorian would cost about fifty dollars. Really? Yeah, and they have a totally free market in uh, medicine. Huh? Totally free market? I find that hard to believe. No, in Ecuador? I'm, I'm I don't. not even kidding. Wow, that's that's incredible. The government's not big enough or wealthy enough there. There, um, right? To... They they aren't really very wealthy. So gotcha. basically, they they provide security and roads. Interesting. So, did you feel like you wanted to stay there? Uh, no, no, I, I didn't really enjoy it. Well, what about the people that would say? What about the people that would say, Francisco, that well, this is a perfect example. What you're talking about is a perfect example of why we need government. Because if it weren't for government, then we wouldn't have the standard of living we have today. Well, I think that the reason that the country has such a low standard of living is because they they were late in getting their independence from this, the Spanish. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, it's a very small country. It's only a country of 13,000. Uh, 13 million. million. Right. Right. So I don't think it has anything to do with the government. I think it just takes a while for a country to grow up to the standard of living. When uh, when was it that they uh, they got their independence? Excuse me. When did they get their independence from uh, from Spain? I believe is it was 1850s or something. I see. And I still, you know, you, we don't know what all the facts are as far as yes, the government may not be as large, uh, of course, certainly than the U.S. government, but inevitably they must be taxing people there. There well, must be some sort of level of regulation. For quite some time, I believe in Ecuador. Uh, th- I'm. I'm I'm drawing this from memory, and it's been some time since I've taken my college, uh, you know, co- uh, history courses on these things. But I believe they had uh, plantations set up there, essentially feudal systems where a few people owned most of the land, and the rest of the people sort of lived on their land like serfs and worked for them. There's no real reason for innovation there because you can't go anywhere as far as moving up the, uh, mm. the classes. Mm-hmm. Francisco, any other thoughts? Well, yes, I just wanted to tell you two other things. While on my work here. I figured I would write a little letter to the TSA agents that would search my bag. Okay. You think they're going to read it? And, okay. Excuse me? Uh, do you think they're going to read it? <laughs> they, they actually did. Okay. What did they say? They, uh, or what, 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 was the, what did the letter say? Well, if you say? put it in an envelope that says, Dear TSA, uh, real big on it, they'll probably read it. <laughs> I did. I actually, I really did. I put Dear TSA and put it right on top of all my clothes. Okay. So what happened? And what it said was, if you're reading this, you have violated my constitutional right to be secured in my person's, you know, things and effects. And then I outlined the Fourth Amendment to them, just in case they didn't know, mm-hmm. and ended with a little note that says, thank you for working for my security and slavery. <laughs> so what happened? But the bag that, that that letter was actually in got the lock caught off it, and uh, they pretty much screwed it up. Hmm. They screwed the bag up? Nothing's missing, yeah. though, right? Excuse me? Nothing's missing, though, right? No, no, not that I saw. Everything was there. So that's the only way that you can tell they actually read the uh, the letter is that they... Well, it was out of the envelope, and the envelope was just gone. I see. Hmm. Interesting. And the second thing, Francisco? Oh, uh, well, my mother is a dealer in Atlantic City in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. She deals cards. And she was telling me that in her casino, at least, there were ICE agents... Checking the working papers of every worker 
that works in uh, housekeeping. Mm. Mm. Awful. You know, there uh, there are stories coming out now. I saw a story yesterday, and Francisco, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, I saw a story yesterday about 150 employees getting busted at, uh, I think, a Coke Foods plant uh, somewhere, K-O-C-H, Coke. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there wasn't any even, there wasn't really any detail in the article. It's just It's just an afterthought now. Now the stories are just, oh, yeah, there's another ice raid, another 150 people taken out of their lives, children left behind. They didn't even mention the children. They didn't mention any details. It was a two-paragraph, like, four-sentence-long story about how these people's lives were just interrupted and destroyed by the uh, the Immigration Enforcement Department. And there's just not even detail now. It's, it really is It's going to be so commonplace soon. Anyway, uh, just going back to the the uh, comment on Ecuador, the idea that well, okay, according to Francisco, who went and visited for you know a couple weeks or something, uh, there there's uh, more freedom in the healthcare industry, and that's certainly believable. But to suggest that the entire country is a free market, which I don't think he was doing, he wasn't suggesting that. Uh, it's not. Uh, it can't possibly be a free market in Ecuador. There's, you know, whenever you've got a third world country, what you usually have is some sort of despotic government that has so much regulation on business. Uh, as far as starting your own business is concerned, it's usually very, very difficult. I remember John Stossel did a uh, an investigation on how difficult it was to start a business in different countries. And he didn't go to Ecuador, but he did go to India, and he did go to Hong Kong. And the difference between those two countries was staggering. He also went to the United States. The difference between the U.S. and Hong Kong was huge. It uh, took a one piece of paper to start a business in Hong Kong. It took several and a lot more waiting in the United States. And in India, it took it was like an entire room's worth of paperwork, just reams and reams and reams of paperwork. And if you want to start a KFC, for instance, if you want to open up a new restaurant in uh, in India, you have to go in front of the legislature and get the legislature's permission to open a new Kentucky Fried Chicken Crazy. in India. So that's what I'm talking about when I say that, okay, even though their government may not be as big as the United States, that doesn't mean that they're any less controlling as far as businesses are concerned. And when it comes to the free marketplace, you know, when it comes to the marketplace, if there's no business freedom, then you don't have a free marketplace. If you have to go to the legislature and beg them for permission to do business, you're not even a- approaching a free marketplace. So the question becomes, you know, what does it take to enter the business world in Ecuador. And if they remove those regulations, then I think you're going to see an increase in uh, the quality of living there relatively quick. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Mike in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Hey, dude, doing great. What's on your mind? I got another story for you. All right, sure. Uh, about You heard about the politicians saying if he's patriotic, you get rid of your SUV or anything and didn't get good gas mileage. Yeah, Joe was that John Edwards, and he's driving yeah. around an SUV, as he was saying it, or something like that. Uh, wouldn't that make the big three automakers unpatriotic? I guess that would, yeah. I guess it would. Because a friend of mine's father told me a story when he worked at his plant, and this guy bought a new, I think, Chrysler or Pontiac or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was bragging everybody's getting like 50 miles a gallon. This is like a two-ton car, one of them tanks. Sweet. And... Uh, all of a sudden, one day, these suits show up, these guys with suits, and a big long piece of paper said that he had a part on his car that should not have left the factory. I want you to tell me the rest of the story in a moment. Hang on, Mike. We'll bring you back. This is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Sickel CAI toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The Shrine of Female Listeners is there. Dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. You can head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections. They do early outbilling and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231 is our number. You can bring up anything. Let's go back to the phones, back to Mike in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Now, Mike, you just begun to tell us a story about a friend of yours that worked for uh, one of the automakers, I I presume. Uh, Well, he worked, uh, this guy had bought a new car. He didn't work at the automakers. He uh, actually bought a new car, and he was bragging all the guys at the factory where he worked about uh, 50 miles. This is back in the 1950s. Okay. And uh, he's bragging about that he's getting 50 miles a gallon and how great it was and this and that. And this is back when gas was like quarter a gallon, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so all these uh, officials showed up with suits and uh, with a piece of paper said that he had a part on his car that should not have left the factory. Really? And uh, so they, they said they had a court order and they were going to take it back. So they went out there and they wouldn't let him see what they'd done. Jeez. And they circled his car and took something off his car, and he went down to eight miles to the gallon. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and uh, it, what he he went out and checked it out after they were done, and when he got it home, and he found out that they'd done something to the carburetor, removed something from the carburetor, but it was an experimental part that was not supposed to leave the factory. I wonder why. I wonder... Yeah, and it doesn't seem just kind of funny that they the mileage is going backwards on vehicles. Because if you just add 10 more gall- miles to the gallon on a vehicle, how much do you think it saved this country in fuel? It'd be quite a bit. Now, I, we've heard all kinds of interesting stories over the years about right. you know, these new technologies that are being suppressed by either the existing automotive interests or the oil companies or whoever it is. You know, somebody comes up with a, an amazing modification, like you were saying, to the carburetor or to the engine, something they can uh, modify existing cars with to give them a, a boost, to boost their mileage. And then what will happen is somebody will come along and either kill the person or offer them a lot of money to sell the idea to them. And then they take, you know, they take advantage of the patent law system and they sit on the, con- the concept uh, and nobody ever gets to, to utilize yeah, it. I actually I heard this same story from my uncle probably when I was in uh, you know, a, some similar type of story where mm-hmm. there's a, a miracle carburetor. Um, that uh, would, you know, the the vehicle got so many more miles to the gallon and that kind of thing. And I don't remember, I was probably 9 or 10 when I heard the story, but um, I looked it up on Snopes.com, and it is, you know, they they basically say the claim is, a miraculous car gets 200 miles to the gallon, um, is reclaimed by the factory and never seen again after its owner calls to congratulate the manufacturers about its fabulous performance, and Snopes categorizes it as false. It depends on... I've known this guy for thirty some years, and he's never lied to me. And he would he would make this story up. And and I've got another story Go about a girl that worked with my girlfriend. She had an eleven year old Honda Accord, 
that was getting 40 miles to the gallon, she decided she needed a new car. So she went to all these different dealerships, and she couldn't find anything that got the mileage that her car was getting. Yeah. So she jumped to sales and said, hey, how come I can't get the mileage because this car's getting 40 miles a gallon? He said, well, anything that gets any mileage is going out of the country. We don't sell it in this country. Hmm. It's bizarre. So, what do you, why do you think that is, Mike? Well, uh, I think it's just a simple fact is, you know, why, why save, it, you know, save mileage when you can gouge the public? Yeah, but wouldn't competition, I mean, as far as, the, I mean, there are different car companies out there. That might make sense if all there was was GM, but there's not. There's a whole bunch of different car companies, and wouldn't it make sense that a, a car company would get out there and say, hey, look, you know, we've got this car, it does 50 miles to the gallon, uh, and then they just outsell every other company? Well, you ever notice that the Japanese uh, commercials advertise their mileage and all the rest of the other car companies show everybody sliding sideways and drive like maniacs? It's an interesting they're, point. Or they're selling performance instead of mileage. Well, and you, I would have to assume that um, Americans, for whatever reason, are buying uh, performance instead of mileage. Yeah, I, maybe that's know, the case. I don't know, but it seems like... You know, that's what people want to have in, um, in, in a lot of ways. Hey, yeah. Mike, thank you for the stories. We appreciate the phone call. You know, as far as these, uh, again, we've heard all these stories over the years about these sort of sinister plots. Uh, Can I read one to you? Uh, you've got a story? Sure. 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 A retiring General Motors employee, after many years Is this of... from Snopes? Yes. After many years of service, receives a car as a retirement gift, as well as a nice pension, etc. So he's given permission to select a car from the lot there at the factory. He selects a Chevrolet Capri, a big luxury car. After receiving it, he is satisfied with his choice. After all, who wouldn't enjoy driving around a, a roomy, comfortable car? After enjoying it for a while, he noticed that something quite odd. A car like this usually consumes a substantial amount of fuel, but the gas gauge hardly moves at all. After a few weeks, he gets suspicious. Things like this don't happen. Being the company man he is, he returns to the factory explaining this to the service tech who's uh, caused... Um, who must have caused some strange looks, but they took it in anyway. After he got his car back, he noticed that he got the typical gas mileage of a comparable car. Hmm. Could have this car been a secret, had secret modifications that would allow him to drive for weeks on the same tank of gas? Detroit's automakers have purportedly seized or bought out patents of items that improve gas mileage, like the 100-mile-per-gallon um, carburetor, etc. Maybe the R&D department of GM put this theory into practice. And this is a, just an example. Anyway, they just uh, say that uh, the miraculous car legend, they list several of them, ends one of four ways. Mysterious men appear and tinker with the engine, rendering the car no different than any other. The car is reclaimed by the factory. If the owner afterwards gets the same car back, sometimes it's replaced outright with another vehicle. Um, it now gets ordinary gas mileage. Um, another choice, no-nonsense business types show up and make a fabulous offer for the car, which is accepted. Mm-hmm. The owner wakes. Um, the third, fourth choice is uh, the owner wakes up one morning to find the car vanished without a trace. I love these. They're very interesting. They're very uh, spooky. They're very sexy. I remember I, the one my uncle had was actually a battery that never died. Um, right. It wasn't a miracle carburetor story. It was a battery that never died. Awesome, unlimited energy. Right. These are um, <laughs> the, these are the stories of you know General Motors, Ford, uh, you know all these automakers. They they have in their um, you know research and development uh, laboratories just huge arrays of uh, mm-hmm. inventions that would change the modern vehicle. But uh, for some reason they won't let them out. Apparently they want to uh, continue to lose market share year after year to the Asian auto manufacturers. Yeah. What is the deal anyway? I mean, what is what are some of the theories? What do you think as far as why, if this is really going on, and we don't know if it is or not, it could just be urban legends being passed Snopes down. Snopes calls it an ur- urban legend. Right. 
you know, yeah, we used to know people too that. But said we know that, that Snopes is a Jewish Zionist conspiracy. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Our first night on the air, somebody called in and claimed that he saw the DEA sign that said that uh, that said that it's dr- you think it's dry now. Right. Wait till this summer. This, the, the DEA billboard that says, "Do you think it's dry now?" Referring to the amount right. of marijuana out there. And this is an also but an he urban le- he legend. Pla- he couldn't place this um, uh, geographically. He couldn't tell us where he saw. Some this people sign. say they've seen it, and they'll say where, but then you go by and it's not there right and uh you know again it's very similar like people swear that they've seen these things they swear that these stories are true and correct but when when any sort of verification is attempted it's impossible what do you think and why it's free talk live our archives website and podcast will continue to stay free but if you think other people deserve to hear this show consider becoming a free talk live amplifier for just three dollars a month at amp.freetalklive.com Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Inviting you to our website, freetalklive.com. We've got the bulletin board system there. You go to bbs.freetalklive.com, and you'll see a whole variety of stuff to talk about. Everything from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all for free. bbs.freetalklive.com. And your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com. For the sleep you've been dreaming of, that's SavvyRest.com. Uh, you know, we were talking about these urban, some urban legends, and actually what started the conversation was Mike in Ohio calling in, telling us he knew a friend, he's known a friend for 30 years who told him that, you know, back in the 1950s, there's this mystery group of guys that came and yanked a part out of, uh, I think it was his dad's car, his car, I forget what the detail on that, but uh, yanked a part out, and all of a sudden its gas mileage went down. They said he wasn't supposed to have that part, and, you know, the various iterations of this particular story, whether it's, uh, you know, the men in suits coming to change uh, to change out a part, or uh, the company offering millions of dollars to buy an idea and sit on it, or, you know, an inventor who comes up with, the you know, this... Uh, an engine that's 99% efficient right. that is killed, you know, that sort of thing. There's all kinds of stories out there. And so we're talking about urban legends. If you want to talk about cars and the car urban legends, you're welcome to do that. But I brought up the uh, the, the infamous marijuana sign that people claim to see all over the place, and that one's a total urban legend as well. It's never been proven. So, I don't know, maybe you just want to share your favorite urban legend with us. That'd well, be fun. I've got a cool one um, that, uh, it, it, you know, is true. There's an, an a urban lo- legend that's true. Well, it's a long-lived light bulb that's been burning since 1901, and it uh, currently lights a fire station in Livermore, California. Yes, but it's done at a very, very low and has never wattage, been turned correct? off. Right, right. Uh, like they don't burn it at its full potential. Yeah, it's kind of neat. All right, so let's go to the phones and to the fun. Uh, if you want again want to share your favorite urban legend, share. You can do that or bring up anything. Let's go to Gene in Tennessee, the Christian anarchist on the Amplifier line. Hello, Gene. Well, hi. Uh, I've never been one to shuck a uh, good conspiracy, but <laughs> All right. uh, as far as the carburetor conspiracies go, I have to put a thumbs down on that one. I, I don't believe it for a minute. And the reason is, I've heard these all my life. Um, I've heard them since I was just a boy growing up. You know, everybody talks about the, the 100 mile an hour uh, per gallon carburetor. Yep, I've but, uh, I've heard them too. But I've spent my life as a most of my life as a machinist, 
and uh, which means you can make things. Right. And I've always been one that says, you know, if there's such a thing as a thousand, a hundred mile an hour, hundred mile per gallon carburetor, all I need is the drawings, and I can make one. Mm-hmm. So just because somebody buys out a patent doesn't mean that the idea disappears from the planet. That's true. It only it only means that you're not allowed to produce that item and sell it for a profit. But right, it's consumable. Even if something is patent protected, you can still make one for yourself. And make it for free, or give it away for free. Or give it away for free, but at any rate, those things would be in existence on people's cars, driving around on the streets right now, no matter what kind of patent is on them, hmm. because, number one, I would be building one. Right. If the plans were able to come out some somehow, machinists like you would just crank them out for themselves and their family members, and uh, then a whole bunch of people would be driving around 100 miles per, uh, per gallon That's cars. That's right. And the, and the other thing is the... Uh, uh, the jackrabbit generator or whatever, they've come out in a number of different inclinations over the years. You know, these generators that are supposed to run on magnet, magnets and generate electrical power and run forever. And, you know, I've seen these things come and go, too. And they're, they're typically uh, one of these shysters traveling across the country doing these energy seminars and telling people that we're just moments away from releasing this generator and if you put in your pre-order and you give us two thousand dollars in advance you'll be first on the list to get one as soon as they're ready you know they call them a hummingbird generator or whatever so is that like the gypsies going around scamming people it's the exact same thing only it's a modern version of it but this in fact the guy that was recently doing that hummingbird generator or whatever has spent time in prison for similar things in the past but he's you know, he's off probation or whatever, and he's out there going across the country doing it again and just sucking in all these gullible people that think they can get energy from nowhere. Unbelievable. Gene, oh, thanks for the stories, no, I, man. I love conspiracies. I can't buy this one. Sorry. Thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate the expertise. 800-259-9231. There's probably some very good, hardworking gypsies out there. I don't know why it is that you, you always... Uh, pigeonholed gypsies as uh, crooks. I mean, I've never heard a good gypsy story. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you they one. Wash, they, uh, they, put, they paint your driveway as soon as it rains, the paint comes off. This, any hustler could do that. Right. It, it, I, you're, you're taking a whole race of the people and do? calling them What do the bad? gypsies do that is good? How can you possibly imagine for a second? Where are the gypsy charities? I would imagine the gypsies probably shuck their la- you know, their names and and go to work in the real world trying to a- avoid their <laughs> gypsy heritage because of bigots like you. Hey, I I, I didn't know that gypsies were uh, like a they're it's not a race ethnic are they? group. Yes, it's an ethnic group. I you can I would imagine that uh, sort of through modern usage. Uh, you could call anyone you wanted to a gypsy that was sort of uh, you know uh, nomad in modern day culture. But yeah, I thought that's a not gypsy really was just, saying. I thought a gypsy was some sort of you know descendant from Eastern Europe that uh, you know some families that descended from Eastern Europe that traveled the country and scammed people. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that sounds like what uh, you're saying. Yeah, they're, they're from a specific area in Eastern yeah. Europe, and apparently, um, you know, that's uh, they they've probably got circus heritage. And they went if from you place aren't to place. scamming people, you're not a gypsy in my book. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the phone. You know, talk to- <laughs> that's still a bigoted statement. Let's talk to Bill in New Hampshire. <laughs> Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, hey super. Bill. What's on your mind? Did you guys go to government school? I mean, you know, they're obviously from Gypsistan. <laughs> <laughs> I did right? go to government school, in fact. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, about the, the car thing and the 100-mile-an-hour carburetor and all these other things, I mean, you know, uh, Gene had a really good point about if there was a patent out there, you can't really suppress it, and you'd be able to find some sort of drawing and build one. But, you know, the thing that you can't beat is the law of thermodynamics. And if you can figure out how much energy you can, you know, at a theoretical maximum, get out of a gallon of gas and you know, how much work that is capable of doing if you had 100% efficiency, you'd be able to figure out at the most how many miles an hour you could possibly ever get from a gallon of gasoline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if whatever these figures are that people are claiming is above that, there, there's no way. So you know, even if it's anywhere close, because I doubt there's any way that you're, you know, you're going to get above 70% efficiency in, in transferring combustion to mechanical energy. How do you, how do you think it happens, though, that somebody who, uh, you know, you know personally, perhaps, as our caller claims, and it's always, you know, it's always hearsay, so that's all we have on this show is people saying people said something. But, I mean, how would somebody come to that? I mean, are, there, are people just making things up? Are they making up their past just to embellish things and to tell a, a tall tale? Is that why people are telling these stories? Or do they really believe that these events happened to them? Oh, I mean, it could be any number of reasons. You know, it could be just somebody having fun with their friends, you know, seeing what they believe, seeing how gullible they are. Who knows? I think that some people will uh, hear a story from a friend of theirs, and in order to relate the story more efficiently to mm-hmm. the, the person to whom they're speaking, they'll put it in the first person rather than saying, you know, I heard this and, um, you know, this is from somebody My I trust and that me. kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it could be that. It, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've seen people do just that. I've caught them in those sorts of situations. So, passing down through generations, the stories get modified. Right, they like, hear the story from somebody them. they trust, and so oh, they tell oh, the story. I, I found something interesting out today. Uh, they have a, a, a very neat part of the car up here in New England that I didn't know that we had you know, anywhere else, because uh, some guy told me in the first person today uh, that they have a different kind of brake up here. Uh, I guess it's for moving or something, I'm not sure. It's a packing brake. A packing brake on a vehicle? Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, know the, he, he looked at me and said, you know, the cop pack. Hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of neat things that happen up here that don't happen down south, so uh, it's not surprising to me. Hey, I know you had something else, something for Tom in New Hampshire. If you want to share that with yes, us, sir. hang on. 800-259-9231. Tom, the guy that calls all the time and advocates killing cops. It'll be interesting to see what Bill has to say about that, and we'll talk to you about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. Inviting you to our website. All the features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That's freetalklive.com. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go and shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. I got the numbers back, uh, I guess, this week from June. Because uh-huh. it takes them a couple numbers, it takes them a couple months to finalize the totals because people will return things, and so it takes a little while to get the numbers. Anyway, uh, we did better in June than we did in December, so things are moving up. For yeah, the, we're, uh, the we're getting more deal. and more listeners all the time. So head over to Amazon.freetalklive.com, buy all the stuff you need for life. You don't even have to leave the house, uh, and uh, that way you don't have to sit in parking lots and uh, in traffic and all that garbage. You can get all the stuff you need. Great prices, great free super saver shipping deals on a lot of their products. Amazon.freetalklive.com. So are you ready to apologize to the good gypsies in America? 
why don't you read the definition of, uh, of gypsy, and then we'll get back to the phones. Well, from Wikipedia, gypsy, um, and it gives a bunch of variations, is a term for certain ethnic and cultural groups. It may refer to the Roma people, or uh, apparently there's other gypsy-like people, nomadic people living mostly among non-nomadic people. And uh, so, I mean, you know, partially gypsy means a nomadic person living mm-hmm. among non-nomadic people, and partially it means an ethnic group of, you know, Romanian origin. I guess it's just unfortunate that many of the nomadic people have decided to take on a life of uh, scamming others. You know, they travel the country and scam people from place to place. Right. And so it's made all gypsies look bad. Right. All right. So there you go. One eight hundred. If you go to UrbanDictionary.com, you get some interesting definitions of gypsy. Nothing Let nice. me tell you. <laughs> uh, let's go back to Bill in New Hampshire. Bill, you had, uh, I guess, a message for Tom, who likes to call in and advocate killing cops. What did you uh, have to say to him? Right. Well. Speaking of people who are running the country, ripping people off, let's talk about cops. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I worked in, uh, you know, a gun store and a police supply company for a year, so, you know, I got to talk with these people on a rather regular basis. And, you know, I got to talk to a lot of uh, other people, you know, in the gun community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can definitely tell from, you know, a lot of different signals that pressure in, the, in this country is building. Um, I think that angry people like Tom are a symptom of that, and it is sort of dangerous to ignore symptoms like that. Um, I think uh, at some point we're going to get to uh, a level where, you know, the punishment hardly ever fits the crime these days. There's going to be nothing to lose. People are going to do a quick cost-benefit analysis, and they're going to say, hey, there's nothing to lose by popping this cop, right? And I, I think that, you know, for any policemen who are out there who are just say, you know, hey, I'm just doing my job, this is a warning. There are people out there, and, you know, I think they know that, but they need to know that it's getting worse, and they are doing nothing to fix the situation. Right? So you're saying people are getting more and more fed up with the awful laws that the police insist on enforcing, and you feel well, like some people are just going to crack. With the laws. They're getting fed up with the way that they're being treated by the police. I mean, you know, it used to be that, hey, you broke a law, whatever. I mean, you know, come on, buddy, just, you know, give yourself up and, you know, we'll take you to jail and whatever. But now, you know, they've got like, you know, this hard on to go out and abuse people mm-hmm. and, you know, treat them as though they are some sort of subhuman class. And that is really, you know, generating a polarizing environment. I remember um, I saw there was uh, the clip from, I think it was the L.A. immigration protests uh, the, earlier this year, or I think over the summer, where the cops started just attacking for no reason. They claimed that someone threw a bottle at them, and that was the reason they had to clear out the entire park. Uh, they, you know, they I mean, started... I, I don't understand why these things really happen. I, I, I don't really understand why some of these people either get into the system or are allowed to stay and in general, I think most of the actual, you know, beat cops and patrol people out there are reasonably decent human beings because, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, the, the, uh, the polls and the surveys and things like that for, you know, repealing certain laws and, you know, for getting away, you know, from certain legislation. And a lot of times it's the chiefs of police that are the big problem. That's They're the ones who are pushing for all this stuff. They're the ones who want, you know, asset forfeiture and, you know, all this increased funding and, you know, all these, these new tackle toys. But still, if, it weren't uh, the, if the guys on the ground weren't doing the dirty work, then uh, 
the people wouldn't be so upset. And where I was going with the comment on the immigration protest was some of the video footage of uh, the people as they were running away from the police, because, of course, the police were shooting uh, these rubber bullets and batoning yeah, people. and they still and, shoot them in the back. Yes, and some of the comments were basically that, you know, one day we're going to get you back. One day, mm-hmm. one day we are going to fight back against the police. And that was just sort of the mentality of the crowd as they were being beaten down and running away from the cops. They were just sort of, you could feel their resolve and their anger growing. They're not ready to, oh, d- yeah. to, d- mean, to make know, a stand yet. There's nothing but... more dangerous than a cornered animal that you've wounded. And that is what they're doing to the American people. They're going out there, they're wounding them, either financially, bodily, psychologically, their pride, whatever it is. They're backing us into a corner where, you know, everything that is not permitted is mandatory. And they do not want to treat you like a human being. And I would like to ask a lot of people out there to sort of join me in asking the police to sort of meet us halfway, you know, treat us with respect and common human decency and, you know, try and ask and explain what you want rather than stand there, you know, with a six-foot stick up your rear and command people, do this. Sir, could you please do this because, mm-hmm. you know, it would make the situation easier. It would make me feel more comfortable. It would, you know, right. well, remove any because I said threat so. that there might be. Yeah, now right? it's because do it because I said so and I have a gun. That's right. all they've got. And so in, in, in uh, you know, what we will do is try and work with people like Tom and, and try and sort of, you know, ratchet them down a little bit so that yeah. they're not, like, right on the edge of going off. Yeah, I don't uh, think Tom is, and... is on the edge, but there are certainly people that are a lot quieter than Tom, than Tom that we don't know yeah, about. and you never know when they're going right. to go off. Yep, exactly. I think you that's know, a reasonable thing to say. Bombs. I like that. Meet, meet them in the middle. Uh, you know, you guys tone it down, we'll tone it down, and maybe we'll all get out of this alive. Bill, thanks for the call, Hopefully. man. We really appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line to KGEZ land in Montana. Don, you're on the line. Free Talk Live. Hello there. How are you guys? Great. What's Good, on your mind, Don? Hey, I have, I think, the world's greatest urban legend. All right. Awesome. Do, do tell. It is that there is an albino strain of marijuana growing in the New York sewer system, but nobody's able to get to it because of all the giant alligators. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that a pretty one? absurd one. I've, I've never heard that. Um, well, the, the deal is, one of the other things I want to talk about was the fact that in the 70s, I saw an, Afri- uh, um, an article in the San Francisco Chronicle that said a guy had invented a uh, carburetor that used a uh, low-voltage carburetor that used electricity to separate the oxygen and the hydrogen molecules. You just put water in your tank, and what came out of the uh, tailpipe was just steam. <laughs> I actually saw that in the newspaper myself, so mm. that doesn't necessarily mean that it was true, but, sure. you know, so it is, it, it is, I suppose, possible that, uh, that the oil companies, that wouldn't, I wouldn't put them past them, I wouldn't put it past them to suppress things like that. Yeah, it seems possible but also very unlikely because i mean there are a bunch of inventors working very furtively across the nation trying to come up with new ideas and uh, new technologies and the idea that the oil companies are so omnipotent that they would be able to discover these ideas before they hit you know before they hit the market and shut them down effectively is awfully hard to believe 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've recently become a little bit more Internet savvy, so I'm going to actually look on the Internet tomorrow. You reminded me with this conversation that it's something I've always wondered about, why it just disappeared, if it was really true or not, or if it was just, you know, some reporter making something up. The, or the maybe, you know, it could have very well been one of those uh, travelers that uh, had managed to uh, get in touch with one of the reporters and get them to believe their scam and got an article written about them. Who knows? I suppose that's certainly possible, who, yes. Who uh, knows what it was? But thank you for the call, Don. Appreciate the story. 800-259-9231. By the way, a little bit of quick info here on Ecuador. We had Francisco call in earlier. And we're talking about, well, you know, how free is Ecuador? We pulled up both the freetheworld.com, uh, free and that's the Fraser Institute, and also the Index of Economic Freedom from the Heritage Foundation, two completely separate, independent analyses of every country in the world as far as their level of economic freedoms based on several different factors. And uh, we found that according to the Index of Economic Freedom, Ecuador is ranked at number 108 out of over 150 countries. Where's uh, the United States? U.S. is at number four on that particular rankings chart. Now, I've seen them, uh, the U.S. go anywhere from nine to four to three. Yeah, um, it's up again. It, yeah, it's, it's yeah we're doing very, a little better right now. Ecuador is ranked as 55.3% free. Uh, their business freedom, 57.1% free. Corruption, 25%. Corruption their, really stinks when it comes to these things. Corruption is perceived as widespread. The investment freedom, also very low. Monetary freedom's okay. Freedom from government, that's decent, but they're not doing so well. They're in the bottom 50% of countries. Also, according to the Free the World report at freetheworld.com, Ecuador ranks as number 95 out of 130 surveyed countries there. So bottom 50% in both categories. There's a lot of problems in Ecuador. Hour three's on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features are for free. So enjoy them on us. That's freetalklive.com. As we go to the phones to the fun, Lee in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hey, Lee. Good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Well, a couple things. One kind of uh, both need to be covered, but one for Gene. I've had a machine shop since 1994. Before that, I had a repair shop independent repair shop from 74 till then. I've never met a machinist that didn't want to be a mechanic, and I never met a mechanic that understood anything about machining. What's your point? Well, the point is machinists think engines are neat because everything's intensive a thousandths and all precise and everything, Mm -hmm. but they really don't understand anything about what it takes and how they run. But Barring that, two stories. One, in 1972, three, and even into 74, when we had the oil crisis, uh, when I was going to college learning mechanics, the uh, head of the department had a 30-year collection of gas-saving devices, mostly carburetors, but not, mm-hmm. out of zillion publications. This was like his little passion. The guy was 
like a year or two from retirement. He was like 60, 61. Okay. But being the head of the department, they actually had a photocopy machine back when, you know, they had mimeograph machines. And they were really expensive, and he had them posted on the bulletin board every week, different stories, different stories, and you could go into his office and get them, literally like 50 of them. 1936, guy invents carburetor, gets 54 miles, guy. 1938, guy invents carburetor, gets 39 miles a gallon around town on flathead Ford V8, so on and so on. Uh, and behind all these, he'd done the research, Guys sold patent to Standard Oil. Guys sold patent to Standard Oil. Guys sold patent to Shell. Guys sold patent to Exxon. Guys sold patent to Standard Oil. Never mm-hmm. been seen uh, on the market. And then there was a whole bunch of guys who refused to sell it. We're going to make their fortune. Hasn't been heard from since 1952. Mm. Disappeared off the planet of the Earth. There was like a dozen of those. But... Brings me to point number two. So there is something to the oil companies buying this stuff up. So we'll just keep it off the market. Well, we know there's something, and those the something is a bunch of allegations. There's never really been anything tangible that's uh, that's come out. The guy isn't around to tell us. <laughs> he disappeared in '52. But um, you know, they're popular mechanics and stuff. We test carburetor that got 49 miles a gallon on the highway. Um, anyway, that was interesting, but. I was talking to the guy I apprenticed with in uh, 74, who uh, a year later became my partner. He was twice my age. When I was 23, he was 46. Everybody thought it was a father and son team. Okay. And he was telling me about some old lady, and she was kind of a biddy. They'd had a, like a 61 Buick LeSabre or something. Her husband died. She got a little insurance money. She bought it like a 72 or 3 Buick Skylark. It was ugly blue on top of ugly blue, darker ugly blue. Okay. That's my favorite year of Skylark. Oh, boy. Well, there you go. It's right up your alley because that's what you get. Uh, All right. So what happened? She bought it. Uh, she's visiting her uh, daughter and son-in-law down in Portland, Oregon, and she would bought it from the dealer down there, so she took it back for a 1,000-mile service, and her car had been out in the shop for like three hours for basically an oil change, and... She goes out, and the guy says, yep, that's the carburetor. What's the carburetor? What about it? That's the carburetor. That's the one we're looking for. They'd had, like, four demo units, apparently, that had come through, the best the lady could tell Ed, that were experimentals. Now, why would they send experimental um, carburetors to a dealer? They kind of slipped through the line and wound up at a dealer. Hmm. She was getting 38 miles a gallon city and 45 highway. When Ed told me the story, it was 38 City and 42 Highway. I After he became my partner, I had a chance to chat with her. I said, is that true, that Buick? Because Ed was her guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'd been with Ed since like 62, so okay. she always took her car to Ed, but it was under warranty, so she went back to the dealer, visited her daughter and son-in-law. And so she swore to it, huh? She said it was true. No, she said it was 45, not 42, on the highway. But the, the story is allegedly true. I mean, again, it's it's once oh, again... it's totally allegedly true. This is an old biddy. I mean, she was kind of a biddy. What is a biddy? Um, she literally drove her car off the hoist, ripped the exhaust system off. The only reason Ed knew anything about it, she ripped the exhaust system off because they were going to change out her carburetor. This is the last one we're looking for. They'd been notified by the factory. Hey, we got some non-compliance carburetors out there. Mm-hmm. Get them off of there, and we'll get you one. They wanted to keep her car overnight. They were going to buy her a motel and the whole bit. 
to keep her carburetor. She ain't touching that carburetor. So she managed to get away with the uh, the carburetor. She drove off the hoist. Didn't pay her bill. Didn't do anything. Drove off the hoist. She probably didn't even know if it still had oil in it or not. So what happened to the carburetor? And she still had it. Some poor some guy, if he's smart, still driving the darn thing. <laughs> you should have you should have bought it for its uh, museum qual- um, quality or its uh, museum uh, value. Well, you yeah, you're not going to find an old time Buick V8 that got. 15 miles per gallon, let alone 38 around town. It's an amazing story, Lee, and uh, it's unfortunately all we have is just a bunch of amazing stories and allegations. Thank you for the call. We well, appreciate it, Well, that was one that was as verified as uh, you could get. Um, uh, indeed. You knew the lady. You talked to her personally. And, personally, and, and she was there to uh, with customer bars for another eight years. Till, amazing. Uh, she went down. Lee, thank you for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Just, I mean, they're amazing stories. Can anybody really verify them? I mean, the woman allegedly escaped with the vehicle. Why did she Why did she get rid of it? Didn't she understand what she had? She must have understood that what she had was something really special. Well, she it, drove it off the, the rack. In this case, um, you know, he's making a more believable story. It's, you know, the 35 or 38 mile, and a, mile per gallon carburetor as opposed to the 200 mile mm-hmm. per gallon carburetor. And these, uh, these stories, you know, vary a little bit. I mean, you know, but the, on a big old boat car, that's a big deal, right? I mean, 38 miles to the gallon versus 9 or whatever. You used to have the, a big boat car. Right. Don't, don't consider get... the 76 Eldorado to be the same thing as a uh, Buick Skylark. Um, okay. The Eldorado got 6 miles to the gallon. The maybe. Skylark is a boat, though, right? It, it's a bigger... Everything's big compared to what, they, what we drive <laughs> now, today, okay? Yeah. Um, it was a car that was actually made out of steel, um, you know, as opposed to, but it looks a lot like a Cutlass or a Chevy Malibu. I know that neither one of these things are of any value to. So, yes, it's a larger than larger car than what you drive now. So you're saying he had a better story, a little more detail, but still, what can you do with this, right? I mean, we've heard all the allegations. We've heard the it, stories about the, the car well, companies coming by or the oil companies buying out these concepts. But as uh, as Gene pointed out last hour... The the fact that they're buying the patent doesn't mean the idea disappears. Who's to say that he didn't, you know, these inventors, I mean, are all the inventors so clueless that they they really gave up everything they had? Didn't they have a carbon copy of the invention somewhere, the, the details, the plans, that they could just take and sort of ferret off to a friend of theirs and, you know, have them create this on their own and 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 apply it and prove to everybody that the proof of concept that this this stuff really is for real it really does work well i you know release the, the plans to the public for free but that would be the the real trick you know the we were saying that the auto manufacturers would obviously be motivated to do this, to do this but if in fact the oil companies own the patents on you know some of these inventions mm-hmm. it would be difficult for them to actually have done it they could release news um about the oil companies having the patents which would then shame the oil companies into uh perhaps releasing the information but all right here's another here's another perspective right because all these stories happen in the past mm-hmm. these stories happened pre-internet right these are older stories so right. they came up with these ideas in the 70s and the 50s or whatever and and there have been a handful of stories from recent times as well. There's always some new version of the same old story about some inventor either being killed or bought out by an oil company when he comes up with some perpetual motion device or some new modification to a vehicle or whatever the allegation is, you know, run your car off of water, blah, blah, blah. 
So if it happened back in the past, it could be understandable that the you know the a car company would come in or the oil company would come in, buy up the idea, the inventor would turn it over to him because he wouldn't think of anything else he could do with it, right? Oh, they're offering me all this money. I'll take the money, make a nice life for myself, and I'll be done with this inventing thing. That makes sense. But today we have the Internet. So why is it that these ideas that are relatively old aren't just spreading everywhere? More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. The place to go. The features for free, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. If you or perhaps someone you know needs a uh, primer on some of the subjects that we talk about on Free Talk Live, you should check out Liberty Radio Underground. It's an elementary introduction to libertarianism, and each show concisely handles a single topic under 10 minutes. It's great for someone new to liberty. Go to libertyradiounderground.com today and grab an episode. That's libertyradiounderground.com. So we're talking about these urban legends that have been just passed down throughout decades uh, that allege a variety of different things. Uh, everything from, you know, we're talking about specific, I mean, there's all kinds of urban legends. We're talking about the car-related ones, the magical piece of equipment that you can hook up underneath your hood that'll double your gas mileage, or even give you 100 miles a gallon, or maybe run your car off of water, or, or something like that. And so there's all these urban legends that have come out, and, uh, you know, various different iterations of them. Everybody's got their version of the story, and they've always heard it from somebody that they know, or they themselves will claim to know someone who actually experienced one of these situations with the, you know, manufacturer coming back, sending men in suits to uh, tinker around under the hood, and after that, their gas mileage, you know, cuts Plumets. in half, uh, you know, to, to everything else. And uh, my point I was making before we went away was that back in the 50s and the 70s and the 80s and, you know, even in the early 90s, these urban legends are, they were out there, they were floating around, but if indeed it was true that somebody had come up with some um, amazing invention that allowed them to triple gas mileage or, you know, have 100 miles to a gallon, these are allegations that have been around since the 50s. So this is not exactly new tech, right? This is something that was come up with decades ago, allegedly, if it really exists. And they allegedly sold off the invention to uh, Standard Oil or whoever, and they're now allegedly sitting on the patents and sitting on the inventions. But as was pointed out earlier, if indeed the uh, patent was sold, that doesn't mean anything. The idea could still be out there. It could still be utilized. The idea could still spread around. And so, therefore, there must be some sort of plans out there. This can't be that hard of a concept if so many inventors have come up with it and keep getting bought out by Standard Oil. The information must still be out there somewhere. Someone at Standard Oil, even, on the inside, you know, must have access to all of this information. It's got to be there somewhere. And it, it's understandable. It's understandable that in the days of snail mail that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be as simple as it is today to transfer that information. But today we've got the Internet. It's at our fingertips. We can go and research anything that we want to. And all of the inventors in the world can uh, can share ideas and, and get online and, you know, post their plans if they want to. Or if they come across some old, uh, some old plans from the 1950s, they just have to slap it on a scanner, scan it in, and post JPEGs online for everybody to see. Right. So... If indeed these ideas were so uh, so prolific back then, 
why is it that they aren't popping up online today? Why is it that people aren't able to, uh, to unearth these ideas with all of the things that the Internet has allowed us to access, all of the old, arcane ideas that we, we can now just pull up at a moment's notice? Why is it that these have been lost to the void? Well, one could say that there's no motivation. But one would be wrong, because, in fact, there is the Automotive X Prize. This is apparently, um, from what I can like tell... the Spaceship X Prize. It is, yeah. It's, it's a competition that uh, 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 it's offering $3 million to anyone who can create a um, viable 100-mile-per-gallon-plus, uh, or 100-mile-per-gallon 100, 100 vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, some of the, uh, the, the statements are here that, uh, you know, there are, in fact, 200-mile-per-gallon carburetors and all these stories. Um, you know, we've heard things similar to that this evening. But, um, you know, right now somebody is offering $3 million to, to somebody who creates a car that can, you know, go 100 miles per gallon. Now, somebody could say, well, Standard Oil could come by and offer the guy $5 million. They could. But um, the question is, at some point, somebody's going to feel philanthropic. Right. I mean, these are probably the, – the story is always that these are, you know, the starving inventor, right? The inventors that are, you know, tinkering away in their garage for years, and they finally discover the method to unlimited power or right. incredibly more efficient now, engines. Now, let's not forget that Standard Oil offers $5 million, but he gets to keep the patents, the gentleman who – With the know, $3 million? The person, right, with the $3 million. Ah. So he's not giving away for $3 million. He's just entering the competition. He's proving it. So he could be quiet – until the competition, put his vehicle out there, get the $3 million in cash, and then sell it to the auto manufacturers. Believe me, one of them would buy it. It's very interesting. So, yeah, that, that, that just decimates the standard oil objection. Yeah. So where's the, uh, where's the winner? How long has the prize been available? Uh, at this point, um, they're still sort of putting it together to some extent. I see. I mean, so this is know, new then. It's a relatively new okay. thing. Okay. All right. All in good time then. We'll see if anybody comes to uh, comes forward to claim it. In the meantime, Bill emails in. He says, uh, "Gentleman called in tonight and related an urban legend about a car that uses an electric device to run on water and only generates steam as exhaust." He says, "This is a clear violation of thermodynamic principles. It would take more electrical energy to separate the water H2O into hydrogen gas H2 and oxygen gas O2 than recombining the hydrogen." and oxygen via combustion would release in the form of thermal energy. He says it's the equivalent of carrying a heavy weight up on top of a building so you can tie a rope to it and then drop it back to where you got it from in order to lift something else. Not only is energy spent lifting the weight, but energy is used by you yourself to move your body up to the same height. Energy is used up in the same way to separate the water in the first place, and the only energy you get back is the energy released by recombining the hydrogen and oxygen into water. You don't get back the extra energy that you put into it to drive the water apart in the first place. So you might as well just use that energy to drive the car in the first place rather than separating and recombining water. So he's pointing out that the steam, uh, this water-powered car that generates steam out the exhaust pipe, while it sounds sexy and exciting, doesn't really cut the mustard. I see. As far as physics is concerned. Now, I have heard about, and I'm not claiming to know anything about this stuff. I'm just, I've heard about a uh, company called Innovative Hydrogen Solutions that apparently they, they have designed some kind of hydrogen add-on for regular combustion vehicles. And supposedly, Walmart is putting this on all their trucks, uh, you know, from the, you know, these, these trucks that travel the country mm -hmm. in hopes of saving something like 22% of, uh, you know, their uh, fuel costs. 
And apparently it reduces emissions, improves fuel mileage, extends oil life, reduces engine maintenance, that kind of thing. I I don't know. If you want to check it out yourself, you go to IHSresearch.com. That's IHSresearch.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to Dave in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Dave. Hey, how you guys? Great. Hey, uh, just, just like they locked up Galileo for 30 years, I wouldn't put nothing past the powers to keep the truth from us. If you think that the Model T Ford burns the same stuff that we drive around today, you know, there's something up. There's something fishy. They want us burning oil for the next thousand years. They got electromagnetic stuff that they don't, that they ain't letting us know. They, there's all kinds of black technology, and it's, I think it's a lot of the UFOs people be seeing. It's our <laughs> own stuff. Because whatever they're letting us know they got, you know they're about 80 years down the road. They had the there certainly the has been a history. Reactor. There certainly has been a history of uh, oppression of ideas. That's certainly the case. In the case and of the took government, took five hundred years to admit that they were wrong. So just imagine that they want to make anything that can't be metered illegal. David, thank you for the call. What, what, Appreciate what do you it. Call it Ed? This is Free Talk Live. You can take control. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Say CAI toll-free line for you if you want to talk about urban legends or whatever's on your mind. We'd love to hear your favorite urban legend, 800-259-9231. Maybe one that you fell for and you believed for a long time and you found out it wasn't true. That'd be good, too. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. we got lots of features on our site, including the updates. You get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, head over to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones to the fun. Finn in Mississippi. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Finn. Hey, gentlemen. How are you all doing? Good. Good. What's on your mind? Well, I've got a, I've got a story and I have a question for you all, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I've called in before and I love the show, still listen to it, trying to keep up, but law school is not affording me the opportunity to keep up to date, so... I'm back Ew, like law school. Yuck. Go ahead. <laughs> Mark, yeah, I'm taking the plunge. But uh, I, uh, so I live in Gulfport, Mississippi, down where Katrina hit, right mm-hmm. on the coast. And, uh, my dad had a small business down there, and uh, he was wiped out, his small business was. And he had a job. He's a, he had another job as well, so we, we still had some income. But, uh, you know, he got to write some of that off, some kind of write-off or some, you know, some of that, I guess, damage or whatever to it. Mm-hmm. They gave a write-off. They were... Oh, so nice. And then all of a sudden, uh, I was talking to my parents the other day, and all of a sudden they're turning around and slapping us again with a $20,000 tax liability after they let us write it off. They come back and changed uh, changed their analysis, changed the return, and said, nope, you actually owe us $20,000 more. And this is the feds? This is the IRS? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So they, they let him write it off. Turn around and then slap them with a twenty thousand dollars tax liability. Not you know, notwithstanding the fact that his business hasn't come back and everything was destroyed, computers, wow. machines, everything. You know, and uh, so that's that's a little story for you guys. I Ugh. hate them. My, my mission in life is to burn down every one of their offices. But 
Well, I don't know if that is going to be a, a good solution. Maybe you should just come to New Hampshire and, uh, you know, join the Free State Project and make a stand for liberty, and that might be a little more productive. But I, I feel your pain. I understand where you're yeah. coming from. Actually, I have visited New Hampshire. It's beautiful up there, by the way. It is um, awesome in New Hampshire. I was very interested in the August 7th show you guys were talking, or somewhere around there, y'all were talking about Social Security and how y'all both, uh, well, Ian, you don't pay any taxes, and then Mark has opted out of Social no, Security. No, I, I, pay, I pay property taxes. I pay, I pay those. But federal taxes, not so interested in. Is there any way to get rid of your Social Security number that you guys know of, or is it hacked on for life? Well, now, some people will tell you that there is a way to do it, and I'm sure there are websites out there that will charge you a few hundred dollars to uh, allegedly give you a secret. You know, you have to fill out certain forms and send it to the Social Security office by registered mail and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's this whole process you're supposed to go through. You actually, you're actually talking about can you uh, somehow surrender the number itself and have it disappear? Yeah. I don't know what the process is. There are people who claim that that is true. I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if it's even worth doing. Why do you want to do it? Yeah, what, what is the holy grail of getting rid of your Social Security number? I don't know. I was just thinking maybe it would be a little harder for the government to track you down with, uh, with tax liability and stuff Well, just like stop that. using it. I mean, you don't have to use the Social Security number. Uh, you can move somewhere and pay rent and have the, you know, pay cash and have the landlord put all the uh, bills in his or her name as long as you give them a nice little cash deposit. They should feel comfortable with that. Uh, you know, there are certainly ways to live outside of the system and still, you know, without having to live in some uh, shack in the middle of the woods. Uh, so it, it is possible. It'll make your life more difficult, you know, opening a bank account is going to be a little bit iffy, um, and getting new service, you know, getting things uh, operating in the economy can sometimes be a little difficult, but if you're self-employed or maybe independently wealthy or know people that have money, then you can certainly live outside of the system, and getting rid of the Social Security number is going to make things more difficult for you. If I had gone through the process of getting rid of that number, buying my house would have been a lot more, a lot more difficult. In this case, all I did was I went down to the Social Security to Department got a printout saying I had a number because I burned my card, uh, and that was good enough for the the loan officer to prove that I had a number. So a lot of things that that uh, get a little more burdensome if you stop using that number. So by the way, are you ever uh, a little bit scared to get on the air and talk about not paying uh, federal income tax? I think it's I think it's a bold move, but are you ever worried that they're going to come after you if you say something that really ticks them off? It's a good question, Finn. And uh, and if I was worried, do you think I would say anything? Good point. Thanks for the call. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231. i got to say it worries me every time you say it, quite honestly. Um, you know, my, my income's tied to you in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on this show together, and it scares the crap out of me, the IRS coming and, and swooping down and taking you away and quite possibly uh, snatching up all your radio equipment. Well, we're coming really up. really put me up a creek. We're coming up on our fifth year now, Mark, and uh, no action yet. This isn't your fifth year of, uh, being, of not paying income taxes. That's you, true. You were uh, maybe working my at Clear Channel or something or like that. Right, and... It's not like you were actually making any money in the. the it's not like I'm making any money now either. First uh, couple of years of uh, you know free talk live being on ex- um, syndicated. You're the one making ninety percent. I'm not making anything. Yeah, right well, well, that's not exactly what our arrangement is. It's but, pretty uh, much what the arrangement I, is. Yeah, uh, it exactly. changes as we make more, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, I'm not making much now. That much is the case. And I wouldn't call what you're making a living wage, but I would call no. what I'm making a living wage. You're doing all right. Um, and so, yeah, obviously I considered that pretty seriously before I decided to do what I'm doing now, and I considered it before I stopped uh, paying income tax. And, you know, if I'm going to do 
and say certain things, if I'm going to say certain things on the air about liberty and about principles and about being free and about not being a slave, then I'd be a hypocrite to get on the air and say, oh, I'm still paying my taxes, but you should stop paying yours. So I can set the example and I can say, you know, I'm not paying these uh, these uh, absurd taxes and uh, nor should you. So I'm setting that example. I'm, you know, I am the, the person you can look to as an example of somebody who doesn't pay federal taxes and I'm still operating here. And if they want to come after me, well, that's fine. Come and get me. Go ahead, IRS. Come after my show. Because, you know, there's, to cut, there's a couple ways you can look at it. You can look at it in the way that, well, if the IRS comes after me uh, and manages to throw me in a jail cell, then, you know, they've set an example, right? They've, uh, they've sent a message to the American public that this right. is unacceptable. One more scoff law taken off the streets. And you tax dodgers are going to get it. You just wait. Or there's also the other side of the, that possibility, the possibility that, well, you know, some people have won against the IRS. And those people that have one haven't had an international syndicated radio show on which they can necessarily speak to the public. Well, you, um, the, the people who have supposedly won, and we've heard kind of, uh, you know, these are the stories about the, the similar to the stories about the 200-mile-per-gallon uh, carburetor. Mm. Um, the people that have won have largely done it in court. You don't know anything about law, nor do you have any intention of learning, nor would you likely hire a lawyer to uh, defend yourself. Of course not. Yourself. No. Because you're uh, going to go in there and talk about principle. And they're going to throw you in jail. Well, you know what? They can always throw me in jail. That's always an option for them because they've got the guns. And Mm -hmm. uh, obviously that's not something I'm too concerned about. Um, I do have uh, certainly a strategy, and that would be that, well, first of all, if they come after me, then we'll be newsworthy. All of a sudden, Free Talk Live uh, will get coverage in, you know, Talkers Magazine as the talk show the IRS is going after. And who knows what that'll blow up into? Who knows how much extra publicity Free Talk Live will receive? And that'll benefit you, Mark, because you're paying your taxes. And if they throw me in a jail cell, You'll get to make more money off the show at that point. So. Right, and but then I have to intro an extra of the show. I consider yeah, I practice makes perfect. I personally consider you to be a uh, a more talented broadcaster so, than I am. So then they come after me and they uh, they you know they railroad me into their little system, but. I am not somebody that believes in the system in the first place, and so I'm likely to go in, if they bring me into a courtroom, I'm likely to go in and take like a Mark Stevens approach, uh, a la adventuresinlegalland.com, where you basically, you ask a series of questions. You point out that, you know, I don't really understand what's going on here, and uh, I just have a, you know, I just have some questions, because I am not a lawyer, and I just want to make sure I understand what I'm getting into, and basically the, the concept is you ask a series of questions that boxes the judge into a court where he has two choices, and that would be to either throw you in a jail cell and show that he's a violent thug, or to uh, reject the case and kick you out of his courtroom. I wonder if um, once you are in a jail cell, if you can take the Mark Stevens approach and and talk to the walls and make them disappear because they are in fact enforcing tyranny. Not, on you. not very likely. No, um, no, that's probably what the luck you'll have with the judge yeah. too. <laughs> well, I don't know, Mark. Um, some people have had success with that, and uh, and some haven't. On speeding tickets. Uh, and all all kinds of things, actually. He's uh, he's done it on s- in several issues. Anyway, it'll be a, it'll be certainly a big challenge to their system, and it'll be a big public challenge to their system, more so than they get from Willie Nelson or uh, all these other celebrities that just roll right over. Whenever the IRS comes after them, they just roll over and they say they're so so sorry. And can I write you a check now? That sort of thing. I won't be giving up. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number, 
Even in these remaining moments, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The feature's on the site for free. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com if you want to help us out a bit, though, uh, considering we give you everything on our site for free. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. Simple concept. It's totally voluntary. Three bucks a month. All you do is you head over there, you can sign up via credit card or, or PayPal or even some alternative methods. And the idea is it helps spread Free Talk Live. Get us on more radio stations around the country. Get the message of freedom and liberty uh, spread as far and as wide as possible. And you get some perks, too. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program and get started. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Just a couple more thoughts on this whole issue of, well, you know, Ian, aren't you scared? Aren't you scared about uh, talking about on the radio that you don't pay federal taxes? Aren't you frightened of the, you know, the gang of thugs in Washington, D.C. coming after you and taking away what liberties you have left and throwing you in a jail cell? You know, um, I'm sure that the founding fathers of this country were pretty frightened. I mean, they had good reason to be frightened. There were redcoats out there. They were armed. They were willing to kill. Um, there were danger. It was dangerous times back then, and uh, the times today are equally as dangerous. They're not as uh, they're not as upfront with their violence as they as they were back then. But uh, nonetheless, the threats are still there, and the danger is is still present. But would we really have gotten anywhere in this country if if all of our founding fathers had just decided that instead of this whole liberty thing? Yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, taxation without representation. Life's comfortable. You know, we'll pay the taxes. There's no reason to stand up and put our lives and our property and our families in jeopardy here. Yeah, forget the whole liberty thing. Let's just live out nice, quiet lives and pay our tributes to uh, our masters in, in Great Britain. No uh, advancement in human freedom has ever come from cowardice. No advancement in human freedom has ever come from people standing on the uh, the sidelines and cowering when the people who are in charge are waving their weapons around and making threats. Somebody has to make a stand, and I'm hoping it's going to be more than just me. I know it's more than just me. People are moving here to New Hampshire all the time as part of the Free State Project. Some of them are getting involved in politics. Some of them are doing civil disobedience. Some of them don't pay taxes. Some of them do. You know, there's a right time and a right place for everybody to to make their stand. Mine happens to be now. Right. Um, Yours may be in another five years. Whatever is right for you. So you know, and whenever, somebody has to make the stand. I, I have in my mind, my, this is personally, I'm not, uh, you know, this is just how I think of you in comparison to sort of history. And, and there's a guy who a lot of people don't know anything about, Samuel Adams. Uh, you know, there's a beer named after this guy. But what, who, who is Samuel Adams? Well, in, oh, I don't know, 1765, you know, not very important in America. Just a crazy bar owner, you know, talking about things called liberty and freedom and that kind of thing. But he managed mm-hmm. to put together a group called the Sons of Liberty. And over time, that Samuel Adams is the founder of the United States. If it wasn't for Samuel Adams, no United States. Forget George Washington. Forget Thomas Jefferson. Forget, um, you know, Adams. All of them. Forget um, his, uh, you know, Samuel Adams' uh, you know, more uh, conservative cousin, John Adams. Forget them all, because it wouldn't have happened without the Boston Massacre and uh, the sort of things that Samuel Adams put together. Mm -hmm. Here's a quote from him um, that I feel kind of relates to what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, If you love love wealth greater than liberty, the tranquility of servitude greater than the animating contest for freedom, go home from us in peace. 
We seek not your counsel nor your arms. Crouch down and lick the hand that feeds you. And may posterity forget that ye were ever our countrymen. It's That is a radical, radical statement made by a guy who... You know, wasn't really interested in the Constitution, assigning the uh, on to the Articles of Confederation mm-hmm. or anything like that. This guy wanted freedom. He believed that we could separate from Great Britain and then not have a government. Sounds like Sam- my kind of guy. Right. Samuel Adams was the original anarchist, um, if not the original one. He certainly was... Free marketeer. Uh, whatever terminology you wish to use. You can use free marketeer on yourself. I can use uh, anarchist on anybody else. And uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't hate the guy for it. I think it was very interesting. The other thing you should know about Samuel Adams is, you know, he was left behind by the American government and died in obscurity. Well, okay. <laughs> they didn't have as much wealth back then as we do today. Samuel didn't have, uh, he might have had a bar, but he didn't have a radio show, and uh, we, he didn't have the internet to spread his ideas. And, you know, the fact is that the, the time uh, for the state is coming to a close, I think. I think we're coming to a point in humanity's evolution, uh, in our development as, as people and human beings, that uh, we're going to understand, because of the easy access to information, that the, the whole state thing has, has been a scam. Uh, it's, it's always been a scam. It's always been a scam of those who want to, to have power over others, to rule over the lives of others, and uh, they've, they've kept information from, from the average folks, and average people are going to get their hands on the truth sooner rather than later now, thanks to the Internet. You know, and I we're don't, part of that on Free Talk Live. I don't know if I believe that that's the case, that the state is coming to a close, but I can tell you right now, in the period of uh, you know, the Middle Ages in Europe, if you would have talked to somebody about a republic about a democracy, um, you know, kings, that would never work. Humans couldn't do it. You know, whatever reasons, they would come up with reasons why this simply would not work. Right, and now I we're talking about freedom. Instead of democracy, instead of a republic, instead of, well, I mean, you still like your republic idea, but at least you'll agree with me that democracy is not so hot. Well, no, yeah, I don't believe that uh, the, the majority should be able to tell the min- minority um, what to do, although I do think that a democracy is superior to some types of government. And again, the government's also used to going after, again, the easy marks. They like going after the ho- you know, the Hollywood guys right. that uh, they don't really know. They just wanted to keep their money, and they don't really know that much about the whole freedom thing. They just wanted to keep their money. For me, it's not about keeping money. For me, it's about principle. I don't have that much money to give these guys. But for me, it's about the principle that I own myself. I am not a slave, and I refuse to be a slave. I am not obligated to give any of my earnings to these people, these strangers calling themselves the government or the IRS or whoever they're calling themselves today. I have no obligation to them. I've never signed any explicit agreements uh, with them saying that they get a a percentage of my income or that I have to fill out their forms or prove to them what I've done with my time or show them receipts or whatever the hell it is that they require. I've never signed any of that crap. So going up against somebody like me, or somebody else who loves liberty is going to be a much more difficult process for them. So again, they like going after the easy targets. If they want to come after me, then that's fine. You can strike me down, but I've already, you know, it's a Star Wars sort of motif, right, Obi-Wan Kenobi? I've already had my show. I've got, we've got thousands of listeners to this show. Go ahead, take me out. You're not going to stop the spread of information. You're not going to stop the spread of these ideas. Uh, they're going to spread even faster. People are going to get out there. They're going to start their own podcast. They already are. Liberty Radio Underground, for instance, a newer podcast uh, that is spreading the message of freedom. And it's uh, it's such an effective message. And it's something that people, they, they, they get it when it's presented to them. They get it, and they want to explain it to others, and then they'll get it, and so on and so forth. So am I afraid? No. You know, I've taken bigger risks than this in my past, and uh, this is really it's no big deal. Let's go to the phones and talk to Al in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Al. 
I uh, <clears throat> I'm a I do math mathematics uh, on the side just for you know for the fun of it, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> I put it up on uh, AT and T their uh, mathematical uh, website, and I enjoy it. I don't expect any money for for it. Now, uh, if we could just get rid of the idea of intellectual property, then we would get rid of this whole patent idea, which is a real uh, roadblock to capitalism. Absolutely it is. In fact, uh, I have an article that's just really, it sums up the whole argument against intellectual property. It takes like a 50-page sort of scholarly journal and boils it down to a few paragraphs, and I'm saving that for tomorrow night. I'll bring that up, make sure we can talk about this more in depth, because right now we just don't have the time for it, and hopefully you'll chime in at that point, Al. Thank you for the call, 800-259-9231. Right, Al, if if we're not on uh, at the particular time that we're reading it, listen to to us at freetalklive.com. You can hear the whole episode. Uh, let's or go. You can get the archive. Short on time. Bastion in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Bastion. Yes, I just want to know you guys' opinion on Ron Paul. Oh, I'm a new listener. Okay, okay. New listener. If you go to freetalklive.com, you'll see Ron's right there on the front page of the website. Uh, we did an interview with the guy a matter of a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think we're both Ron Paul supporters. Yeah, Ron Paul's the only presidential candidate I've ever donated money to the campaign. I can say for sure. I can say for sure. I will be voting for him in the primary. I don't know who I'm going to vote for in the general election at this point. Yeah, everybody on everybody on MySpace and everybody on the internet has these these images of him up that I, I saw at this website, VoteRonPaul.com. Mm-hmm. It's like a uh, it almost has like a glow of like the Death Star in the background. I don't know what that means. Have, have you seen those? No, I know. Those, those. Do you guys have, have a MySpace profile? Yes, uh, we do. You can get to it by going to MySpace.FreeTalkLive.com, and you can add MySpace. Forget the MySpace addresses. We have our okay. own address. It's myspace.freetalklive.com. It'll take you right to the MySpace page. It makes it easy to get to. Thanks for the call, Bastion. Okay. We appreciate it. Welcome to the program. It has been Ian here with you. And Mark. Look, if it's not your time to make your stand for liberty, eventually it will be. And uh, when, that time is, when that time comes, make the stand and have courage. Because the more people that stand up against the encroachments of the state... The freer we'll all be. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.